You're listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast, where our focus is helping people to connect to God, change, and thrive in life. Well, I feel like we could go home already. We've heard uh, several sermons already, and uh, I am so fired up and encouraged. I I hope you continue to be encouraged. And... uh, happy to be back with you. We, uh, we left uh, for uh, super sunny, warm Phoenix uh, almost two years ago. And uh, we moved in July on a day that it was 117 degrees when we moved in. And, uh, but we love Phoenix. Uh, we, we love L.A. Uh, you know, it, when you're a disciple, you can love wherever you are. And uh, so many of you mean so very, very much to, to Gloria and me. And, uh, of course, what, what a, a lot of you want to know is how is Gloria doing? Uh, of course, uh, back in uh, 2012, she, she got uh, cancer and went through treatment and went into remission. And when we left here, she was in remission. Uh, but uh, last year... Uh, in uh, June, uh, her cancer had come back. And so she started treatment again, almost exactly the same time, the same month, uh, almost the same procedures. She started this last September. And thank God in December of this year, last year, was declared again in remission. So... uh, and uh, we, owe, we owe so much of that, obviously, to God, but for you and your prayers. Uh, a number of you have been prayer warriors, and uh, we, are, we are so thankful for that. We, we believe in the power of prayer, and uh, Gloria is living testimony uh, to that and for, for what God can do with the power of prayer. And thank you so much. But also, don't stop praying, <laughs> because, you know... When you've gone through it for the second time, you know there can be a third time. And so please, please continue to pray for us. Now, I don't know about you. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the middle of a political race that is not very pretty. Uh, it, it is not bringing out the best of our humanity. And uh, I don't get fired up talking about politics. And so I'm not going to talk about politics today. Uh, we've got something, I think, that is a lot more inspiring coming up in just five months, and that's the Summer Olympics in Rio. Uh, you know, there are so many inspiring stories, human interest stories, uh, great ups and downs and victories and defeats that we so many of us can identify with. And uh, so today we're going to talk about the Olympics. We're going to talk about the race. Uh, But it's going to be a little bit different this time because it's only going to work if I can put you in the middle of it. And so you're going to have to put on your imagination cap for me right now. Will you do that? Because I want you to imagine that we're back in September of 2012. We've just finished the Summer Olympics. And you get a knock on your door, 
By the way, you're 22 years old. For some of you, you've got to look a little forward. For most of us, you've got to look a long way back. But you're 22 years old, and you've got to knock on the door, and there are three men at the door and introduce themselves as we are from the U.S. Olympic Committee, and we'd like to talk to you. And so they come in, and they sit down, and they say, we've been following you for a while. We know that you like to run. We know that you're pretty good at the marathon. And the U.S. has not won in the Olympics in the marathon, which is 26.2 miles. The U.S. has not won that event in 40 years. And we would like for the Olympics in Rio to be different. And we believe that you can do it. Now, what would you feel? What, what would be going through your mind? Yeah, it's a prank. You've got to be kidding. <laughs> if you think I can do it, man, why are you in your role? You don't have any business picking people. But you realize they're serious. And let me, let me ask you this. Who would be the first person you'd want to tell? Now think about it. Who would you tell? Would it be your parents? People you work with? Best friend? Who, what would you tell them? What would you say? Would you say, you know what? You are looking at the next Olympian champion. <laughs> or would it be, you can't believe what they asked me to do. But would you feel special? Would you feel special if really the U.S. Olympic Committee handpicked you as our next likely winner of the Olympics. You know, there's an analogy in the Bible. He chose us. God picked you by name, not generically, not, not by members of the church. God picked you and me by name before we were ever born. Before the creation of the world. And, and I wonder, you know, I can honestly say, I don't think I have the same sense of excitement about that that I would as if the U.S. Olympic Committee sat down and said, I pick you. I have vision in you. And yet exactly what God did for us. But 
How would your life change? Remember, this, this is four years ago. How would your life change? Because you now have four years to train to win the Olympics. Well, first of all, you've got to understand, let's look at what the average Olympian does. The average Olympian trains four hours a day, 310 days a year for six years for a marathon, 7,500 hours of preparation for a two-hour race. Now, they came to you in 2012, so you're already two years behind the curve. How would your life change? If this is the average preparation for the Olympics, how would your life change? You know, I think we can honestly say that everything becomes focused on one thing. Everything becomes focused on the race. You know, this would not be something you would add your to-do list. Here's something else i got to put in my day. i got to be able to work out this amount of time, whatever. Suddenly, your focus in life totally changes to do one thing. You see where I'm going with this? I hope you've figured it out already. You know, but there's obviously where we're going with this is a spiritual analogy. The main difference is, is in the spiritual analogy, the race has already begun. In the Olympics, you're preparing for the race. For us, the race began the day we were baptized. And it continues all of our life. But using the analogies, and it's, it's interesting because Paul used the analogy of the race nine different times in his writings. And in addition to that, it was used in the book of Hebrews. So at least ten times in the Bible, the, the analogy of the race is used as a description of our Christian life which means there are a lot of things we need to learn from physical racing. There are a lot of things that we can take away from that. And one of them is, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul said, One thing I do. If we were going to do what we've been asked to do in the Olympics, you can't do this with divided interests. You can't do this with your top five priorities in life being equal to one another. Like Paul, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind, straining toward what is hit, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward, heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the question now is, what would it take? You're now... Signed up. You're an official entry. You have, been, you have made the U.S. Olympic team beginning in 2012 to run in Rio. What would it take? Number one, you're going to have to reprioritize your life. If you're in Phoenix, 
you got to leave Phoenix. You cannot run at 117 degrees. So, number one, you've got to go somewhere you can run every day of the year. You've got to be around others who are also training for the race. You're not going to train by yourself. You're going to be where you can run with people you're going to be running with. You get to know each other. You encourage one another. You challenge each other. You call each other higher. You know what? It's going to change your job probably. There's no way you can work an eight-hour day and you can travel on your job and, and, and you can work overtime and, and all those kind of things and still train for the Olympics. You can't do it. You've got to go to your boss and say, either I've got to redo my schedule totally or I've got to find a different job. I can't do this job and do what I've been asked to do. You're going to have to work out your finances. You know that if you're on the U.S. team for the marathon, you don't get any money at all? You've got to train four years on your own. You don't get any support. Where are you going to get it from? Hey, Mom. Hey, Dad. Can you help me out? You're going to go to friends. You go, wherever you can get it. You've got to realize, hey, your finances, this going to totally change. Basically, everything becomes focused on the race. Then you're going to have to get a coach. There's no way on earth you've got a chance if you don't get a coach in your life. Now, obviously the analogy for us is discipling. Because you need someone, first of all, who knows more than you know about running. They may not be, they may not have the talents you have, but they've got something, they've got a set of eyes and some knowledge that they can bring that you need. Because you don't see your weaknesses the way a coach is going to see your weaknesses. And you, this coach cannot be somebody you just check in with. You, you don't just call them every couple of weeks and say, hey, I, I ran four hours yesterday. What do you think? You're going to be with that coach all the time you can be with because you want his help in your life. You become desperate for coaching. What do you see in my life? What do I need to change? How, do I need to change my running style? Do I need to change my stride? Do I need to change my shoes? Do I, what do I need to change in my life? How do I run the race? You know, we've really, really been working in, in Phoenix for the past two years because we've gotten out of the habit of discipling. And, and so last year, we, we got back into where we tried to get every single person to be able to identify who they were in a discipling relationship with. But then we found out, we, we pretty well got to that point where we found out, you know what, the average one was, was getting together about once every two weeks. And some of them weren't even talking to each other any more often than that. And so this year we changed the focus even more. We want every single person in the Phoenix Church to be in a daily relationship with one other person. Now, it can be by phone. It can be by texting. It can be by whatever. It can be, you know, just five minutes. 
But it makes a difference. It makes a real difference than just when you're checking in with someone. I need someone in my life who really can see me, who who can see the way that I treat or mistreat Gloria, who can call me higher. And, And so that is really helping, I think, revolutionize us in the Phoenix church. And then you'd have to go into strict training. You know, it's going to change the way you eat. I had some great meals here since I've been here. If I were training for the Olympics, I probably wouldn't have eaten a single thing that I ate last night. It would just change because it, it didn't, that meal would not help me get more in shape or run better. And so the question becomes for me in strict training is, does what I'm doing help me win the race? Everything becomes focused on, does this help me win the race? In our spiritual life, everything I do, is this helping me run the race? Is my prayer life? Is is the way that I'm studying the Bible? Is the way that I'm worshiping? Is the way I'm communing? Is the way I'm getting other people involved in my life? Is the way I'm sharing my faith? Is the way I'm serving other people? Is my humility? Are all of these things helping me run the Christian race? Because it's back to this thing of being focused on one thing. You know, running is not all fun. I hate running. The only thing I hate more than running is swimming. You know, the Greek word for race is, we got some Greek scholars here, so I won't even try to pronounce it. Do you see a root word here for anything? We get agony. We get agony out of that. You know what? A part of our running the Christian race involves some things that we don't like. Now, why is that? First of all, because of our human nature always tries to resist us in that. But the main reason is Satan's in the picture. Satan's in the picture trying to cause us to stumble and to give up. And so all of this is not necessarily for fun. It involves more than fun. Here's a lesson from the Olympics. For some, the reward is a personal one. The knowledge that they finished what they set out to do. crosses the finish line. John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium, the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on.
Afterwards, it was written, Today we have seen a young African runner who symbolizes the finest in the human spirit. A performance that gives true dignity to sport. A performance that lifts sport out of the category of grown men playing at games. A performance that gives meaning to the word courage. All honor to John Stephen Akwari of Tanzania. Perhaps the words of John Stephen Akwari epitomize all that is right in the human spirit. When asked why he did not quit, he said simply, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Pretty neat lessons from the Olympics. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3, we're very familiar with. We've heard a lot of sermons from this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, we could, you could preach a whole series of sermons just on that. And then for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. What I want to focus on right here is these phrases, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. You know what? Every single one of us have things in our life that hinder us. I don't know what they are for you. I'm trying to figure out what they are for me. I know a number of things that, that hinder me in my life. But it's interesting here, he doesn't say the sins. He says the sin. Because I think all of us have one particular thing in our life that holds us back. I don't know what it is for you. It may be something like pornography. It may be laziness. It may be pride. I don't know what it is for you. For those of us who are a little bit older in the crowd, I know what one of the things it is for me. Ezekiel says, Therefore, son of man, say to your people, as someone who is righteous disobeys, that person's former righteousness will count for nothing. Sometimes I feel at 70, 75 years old, you know what? I'm pretty close to the end. I, I think I've done pretty well so far, God. I'm just going to coast on in. There's a temptation because you, if you haven't figured it out yet in life, you don't have the same energy after 50 you did before 50. You, you tend to slow down a little bit. And so there's a temptation to just coast. And we can get prideful and think, God, remember when I did this? And what you did with me there? And there's a temptation to say, I can sort of slack off the rest of the way. I know that's a temptation for me. And I need people 
helping me in my life, calling me higher to keep on going. Whatever it is, I think it's really important we figure out what, what is the sin in your life? Do you know? Right now, think to yourself, what is the one sin in your life that's holding you back? It's probably a different one for all of us. But whatever it is, we need to figure it out. And we need to get that coach helping us and encouraging us so that we don't let it hinder us. So that we finish the race. And so we're going to close with a video here, again from Olympics, that talks about finishing the race. But the great thing about it, and it really comes out in this video, is that we're not by ourselves. First of all, we already saw about the great cloud of witnesses who are there cheering us on. And we've got people in our lives who are cheering us on. But the main one that's cheering us on is God. It's God that gives us the power and calls us to finish the race. And so, with this final video, I hope you let this sink in. Probably none of us are going to be running the marathon in Rio. But most of us are running a race that is much more important than that race. And may God help us all to finish that race as we watch this last video. Thank you for listening to the Greater Long Beach Podcast. For more information about our church, please visit greaterlongbeachchurch.com.